Today I get to interview Isabel from Bell Around the World. She's a full-time traveler, a digital nomad, a blogger, an SEO coach, etc. She teaches people how to build their businesses while traveling, which is of particular interest to me because I love traveling as well. We usually spend at least one week out of the country or in some other state during the year. Isabel obviously takes that to an extreme that we, we haven't even began to think about yet. So I'm really excited, Isabel, to be able to interview you. So let's get right into some of the business aspects and then we'll get to some of the travel Take us into like, what are the components? What are the steps for somebody if they're wanting to be able to build a brand that they can travel uh, closer to your round? Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me, first of all. Secondly, so since as a travel blogger, I primarily create content around what my audience are looking for. So in the past, when I first started, it was purely out of my own experience, but as I've been blogging for almost nine years now, doing it as a full-time business. These days, I actually look up what people are searching for, what the demand of uh, search topics are before creating those content. And that in tandem with sponsored collaborations as well. So depending on what the sponsors, who the sponsors are, I then curate the content strategy based on that. So let's talk about this because a lot of times people are traveling and blogging and writing as a creative outlet, as, as a way of expressing themselves and enjoying. It's almost like a musician or an artist, I would think. And then what you're doing is very business-like, right? I mean, you're searching what people want, you're giving it to them, which can be almost the opposite. Did you have to juggle that at all as far as what you want to do versus what people need from you? Or was it always more of a business focus? I would say I, I value the freedom of being able to do what I want, uh, what I enjoy a lot. So I would say primarily it's asking within myself what I enjoy doing uh, and then secondary based on what people are looking for. So when I choose where to travel or how to travel, it's all based on my pure interest. But then from there, there's always people overlapping interests and things like that. And so I usually narrow. So there is always this overlap between what I want to do and the gaps where I can fill that answers people's questions along that along that topic. Yeah, that makes total sense. And so what gave you the initial idea of I want to travel on the road and make a business out of it? It didn't come naturally to me. It started. So I started it in 2015. It didn't come naturally to me. Back then it was always very corporate focused and well I mean like you know you're supposed to graduate and then find a job right um blogging was always considered a hobby a a part-time interest type of thing and I started this blog purely out of the uh, sole interest of wanting to document my experience when I was a student on an exchange uh, in a, on a student exchange over a semester to Europe. So I had started documenting. I had my new DSLR camera. I was, you know, super eager, dewy-eyed um, student budget traveler traveling around Europe for six months. So that was how I started. Um, and as I went on, I came back, I started working for a job. I just started craving travel more and more. And the more I delved into blogging, the more I realized that there are already actually people who are doing it full time and could actually make a job out of it. So that was when I started pivoting and started looking at blogging more from a business point of view than a personal site hobby. Yeah. 
was was there something about Europe in particular that that piqued your interest, or was it just the fact that you were away from home? I would say that trip really opened up my eyes to an alternative lifestyle. So. In Singapore, where I'm from, your typical lifestyle would be: you finish school, you graduate from uni, you find a decent, stable job that pays the bills, you get married, get a place, and you know life goes on. Whereas when I started, when I actually did this uh, six-month-long trip, I started opening up my eyes. I started couch surfing because I was a student, right, on a budget, and I wanted to travel longer. So couch surfing was one of the options. That allowed me to do that, and so I was exposed to family stories, adventures, just a lot of、um, people stories that really opened my eyes. Like things that are more alternative, like artists, musicians, bands, band,、uh, band players, things like that. And then that was when I realized that oh, you don't actually need to really follow the paper book type of.、Um, Storyline as you grow up, in order to survive or in order to thrive, and that was when yeah I realized that you know life can actually be more flexible. It's important to focus on your own happiness and well being than just doing what everyone else was doing. Yeah, when did you realize that you literally? So obviously, in two thousand fifteen, you're you're traveling to Europe. You recognize that it was possible to do a business, but when did you recognize that it is actually going to work? Yeah. So it didn't happen overnight for sure.、Uh, neither did my audience grow overnight. So it was a lot of accumulative learning and testing and trialing, as I was doing a full time job, that culminated to the point where I set myself. So I did some projections and I set myself certain goals to know that if I quit my job and if I were to Commit full time hours to the blog. That would be the point where, like that traffic amount, would be the point where I would be able to meet or surpass my full time job. So that was yeah, the point of turning it into a business full time. Love it. So you start trialing. Obviously, this is like where you learn what really works in the blogging world, etc. What was your path to sponsorships? Like, did you have to get to a certain amount of of readership, etc.? Like, when did you when were you able to go secure money towards what you were doing? Yeah, so with blogging, it's actually quite simple. Basically, the same formula applies everywhere in a content creators world. The more viewership you get, the more audience you have, the more income you'll be able to make. So for me, it was yeah simple as that.、Um, I had to grow my organic, I had to grow my audience online、uh, on the blog, and with brands, they also take a look at social media channels. So I was equally focused on growing those numbers as well, and you know learning along the way and learning how to pitch and setting up a brand kit, brand media kit, so that all played. A part in actually working, pitching to, and successfully securing collaborations, sponsorships like that. Yeah, how, how many years in were you when you first secured your first collaboration or partnership? I would say I was pretty lucky. Um, twenty fifteen, I probably got my first sponsor sponsorship in twenty seventeen. I remember, uh, an airline 
covered my because we were they were trying to promote the Singapore Maldives flight. So my first press, my first sponsored trip was actually to the Maldives, which was really humbling. Really, I was really fortunate back then. And then I I remember my blog being still a tiny baby blog, but. When I did my graduation trip to New Zealand, there were, and back then, tourism wasn't as popular as booming as it is now. So they were really receptive with working with bloggers. Um, So I was able to secure quite a ton of adventure activities when I went to New Zealand for my graduation trip. Amazing. Now that we have the benefit of eight or nine years of working at this, what are some of the benefits you enjoy being a more seasoned veteran in the space um i definitely have more of uh a saying power in and being more selective with who i work with and knowing the path to growing an audience now that i have that knowledge in mind i am less stressed about you know whether i should do this or do that like basically i kind of have that pathway to growing an audience now. So I am less concerned about taking risks, for example, or creating a new project like I did uh, three years ago where I started um, turning my focus more on YouTube, which is a whole new ball game for me, but equally important as well for content creators. And I also wanted to challenge myself. So yeah, and then also setting my sights on creating a new course, which I now have. It's an SEO course aimed for freelancers, business owners, and bloggers to grow their audience like how I did. Amazing. Obviously, the landscape is always changing. You mentioned earlier on, like 2015, travel wasn't as common. People were more open to travel and bloggers. If someone was starting out today, what would the landscape be like for them? What would they need to do differently than what you did? Ooh, it's definitely way more competitive now. So I would say you can't just throw your feet in. You definitely need to do some prior research and you also need to be more focused, more honed in on a particular niche in order to stand out from the masses and also probably be more strategic as well. Like when I first started, I was blogging about everything. I was blogging about my New Year's countdown in Paris and things like that. But people don't care about how you spend your New Year's. They want to know... um, where to eat in Paris, where to find the best baguettes and things like that now. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. 
If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So that's obviously one example of a niche is like getting a specific place, right? And really exploring it. Mm-hmm. What are some underserved areas you think that if people wanted to, they can come in and, and make a difference? Well, in terms of travel, I would say really specific topics like, I mean, it's also growing in popularity now, but what I can think of my mind right now, is like RV travels or, or diving, you know, really specific uh, topics, for example, or Ireland travel, you know, like country specific tra- travels, or even I've, I know of some travel blogger friends that have started secondary and third, uh, third sites that focus just on treehouse reviews for example so it's like really specific yeah and then that way their audience won't be as big but it'll be very like energetic very passionate fans yeah exactly and also depending on what your topics are they can their search intent can be very transactional so for example the treehouse reviews one it's uh people who land on that blog are interested in visiting tree houses around the world. So they already have that um, intent of booking a tree house. And so it would be easier to convert than, say, a general informational blog. And because they're easier to convert, sponsors will pay more? Or how does that relate yeah. to monetization? So if you're working with affiliate links where you get a commission, if somebody books through your link to a treehouse cabin or a booking aggregator site. So then you get a commission from there. Yeah. It, yeah. Which could be a really great idea, right? Cause if you're exploring every single treehouse out there and then yeah. everybody that books, you get 20 bucks or 50 bucks or whatnot. That mm-hmm. could get pretty crazy. Yeah, exactly. When, what was the affiliate or what was the thing that like has been one of the most profitable for you, if you're willing to say in your venture? I would say, so my blog is, so I knew that a more specific topic, a more specific niche would help with my audience growth and my conversions and income, but I didn't want to narrow my style of travel. And so I chose to keep a more generic informational blog, which, yeah, which is like my audience are more diluted, but I still enjoy writing about them. So, um Right now, my highest income uh, income sources come from ad networks, which is the ads that you see when you're scrolling through my articles, which means that like I can write about best clubs in Mykonos. You don't necessarily go into my article to purchase anything because you're just looking for information about best clubs in Mykonos. But because of the traffic that I get... Um, I'm still able to make a significant amount of at money because of the impressions that I that I'm getting from the traffic. If you wouldn't mind sharing, how what, what's the website traffic look like today? Um, at my peak, I get about eighty thousand page traffic. Wow, is that a over month summer? Or... Oh, oh, oh yes, a month over summer. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's that's pretty wild. I mean, assuming that were to continue, that's close to a million views a year. That's that's a lot of views. Yeah. Um, 
I'm assuming like a lot of businesses that we study, there's kind of like a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work. And then all of a sudden there's like a hockey stick. Mm-hmm. Did you notice something similar in your business growth or was the curve a little bit different? Um, yeah, I would say definitely, it definitely improved over time and also through experience and through acquiring backlinks, um, the acquiring like the authority of the site, it, you are you can see a steadily increasing growth of course the pandemic put a damper on everything so i lost like 70 80 percent of my traffic um so that year was the peak of my traffic growth and then of course the pandemic threw everything off um so i spent that downtime couple yeah that that year re-optimizing my articles again and so with the return of traffic plus my re-optimized articles that traffic amount actually surpassed the that year that was supposed to be peaking so that was a good thing you're basically reinventing yourself yeah pretty much yeah because um well of course competition grew as well so it was important to grow your traffic and have fresh articles so when you say re-optimize can you describe what that means yeah so for instance i would have like best cafes in sydney but of course, there's always a very high turnover with cafes, restaurants, and things like that. So that article could be written in 2019, and it's 2023 now. So there are always new reviews, new, better restaurants and cafes to, to write about. So it's important to keep up with the trends, for example. Yeah. So that goes into play with the re-optimizing. There are, of course, like with the pandemic, for example, things have closed, uh, things like that. So it's important to do a uh, an article refresh. How often do you travel and how many countries do you usually get in a year? Um, that is very subjective, but I'll just talk from the most recent experience. I spent two months in Europe and I did 10 countries, which is a lot. I, I don't necessarily advocate that. Um, during the pandemic, for example, because the borders were closed, so I was actually, the borders were closed in I mean, practically almost everywhere. So I was doing more slow travel around Latin America. And so I would spend anywhere from two months to six months in one place and traveling to places where they had the least restrictions. So usually I would say I travel full time. It's hard to say how many countries I hit a year. I think last year I might have done like 20 or 30 countries in a year. Yeah, which is a lot. I, I, I am exhausted from travel, I'm not going to lie. But if I, had the, if I had the choice, I would definitely choose for more. I would definitely opt for a slower style of travel. How, how many countries or continents have you not seen yet at this point? Oh, I haven't seen Antarctica. I've done six out of seven uh, continents. I've done 53 countries. Wow. So quite a few countries left to go, but you've gotten all the continents except for Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've only covered 27% of the world, so it's still quite a lot of countries left to go. Nine years of travel. I mean, there has been yeah. COVID, but nine years of travel, only 27% of the world. Isn't that crazy how big the world exactly. is? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it stuns me all the time. Yeah, that is so interesting. How often, kind of addressed the kind of the similar question earlier, but how often when you're traveling, do you decide to go into a place that you would not normally go into? Like, you, you go into this restaurant because you need to get an article. But you personally yeah. would be like, ah, I wouldn't go there. Um, so my style of travel has evolved over the years. I used to be like a serial planner. 
And these days I'm spontaneous as like some people can't even stand my spontaneity because they'll be like, oh, where are you going next month? And I'll be like, I don't know. It'll figure itself out. So I feel like the best kinds of travel happen when it's the most spontaneous style of travel. So for instance, I would never have thought about visiting Bolivia at all, but somehow I was, you know, trying to figure out where to go after after my stint in somewhere in probably Mexico or something and I was just deciding where to go next and I happened to be on the on a house sitting platform looking for you know maybe somebody would want me to house sit or pet sit for them and so yeah by a stroke of fate chance luck whatever you call it um I got this three-month gig caring for three dogs and a cat in in Peru in Bolivia in the middle of nowhere so that was a surprising, yeah, it was always a surprising, like, turn of events. And, um, yeah, that, mm-hmm. no, 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 you. How, how do you balance family? Like oh, I am, I don't know, fortunate enough, or well, I don't know, maybe by choice, but I, I wouldn't say I have a lot of responsibilities at the moment. I'm neither married yeah. nor have kids, so... I don't really have that much to worry about when I travel. Um, yeah, my family's always home in Singapore. So it's, I know it's a place that is always home that I can always come back to. Like I usually travel full time, right? So if not for certain injuries that, I, that I've that i had, I wouldn't have come back to Singapore. Oh, so interesting. Now, there, there have been people in the past that have bought lifetime airline passes. Is that something like, how have you worked that? Like you just use the income to pay for the plane flights or have you bought like a lifetime pass on any airlines? Yeah, no, I'm quite old school and I can never, I never ever, well, yeah, I've never traveled with one airline solely because my travels are as random as anything. So like, you need yeah. More mobile than that. Yeah, more yeah, than exactly. It's very flexible. So I don't really like to constrain myself to anything. The world's your oyster. Yeah. Yeah. What's your vision for your life and your business the next 12 to 18 months? I, this might be counterintuitive to say, but I feel like I'm no longer as excited about travel as I used to be. And the slower I travel and the more I meet my community of people, the more I realize that I want a base or a couple of bases. So I am hoping looking at um, maybe setting up some more permanent bases in the next couple years to come so that I can like finally feel like a sense of home because sometimes I feel like as digital nomads we can feel a bit happily homeless so it's nice to have a base to come home to out of all your travels you've seen 27 percent of the world where (laughs) do you feel like your bases will likely end up I have a soft spot for, strangely enough, I do have a soft spot for Cape Town in South Africa. Um, so that's a place that I've always wanted to return to, to check it out for a longer period of time. Um, the closest home base from Singapore where I am now is Bali. It is very controversial about about moving and living in Bali, but from my experience there earlier this year, I really enjoyed it because of the community. There are a lot of um, freedom chasers like you and I. There are a lot of creative people. 
a lot of like-minded people, a lot of alternative people. So it's nice to be able to, it's very warm and inviting and friendly. So it's very easy to make new friends. It's also very happening, very modern. It has a bit of everything. So it's, for me, it's, it's enjoyable to be there. What, what's controversial about it? Well, um, Bali has become such a hotspot over the years that the traffic's crazy. Everything is changing. It. Some people say it has kind of lost its culture because it feels like a mini Australia with all the cafes and restaurants and and foreigners moving, building, building their properties. Um, the influx of Russians as well since the war. So when you're in certain areas in Bali, it almost feels like you're no longer in Bali. It's just a hotspot of different foreigners living living there. And yeah. Taking over. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Isabel, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business and, and the way that you've been able to monetize and create a real life out of traveling. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this, that enjoy travel and the idea made that they could do it full time could be pretty cool. And obviously, as you know, we're the freedom chasers. So we want people to live the lives that they want to live. Um, and being able to travel all the time, wherever you want to go can be a form of freedom. So thank you for sharing. For, for those of you who are out there listening, write down something you learned from today's episode. It also can apply to the content we create, even for our real estate businesses, et cetera. Um, write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. That was Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 